God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. This is Marcos Ortega, one of your co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by my friend, my sister. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Lisa Robinson Spencer. Lisa, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, feeling a little lethargic and out of it, <laughs> which I guess is... Uh, you know, it's that the chemicals in the turkey, I suppose. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Like, we're gonna we're recording this the day after Thanksgiving, but we are going to be releasing this right around Christmas, which means we have had now three or four full weeks of eating the way we should not be eating, because this is the season of cookies and cakes and candies and wonderful feasts. Um, what is your go-to Christmas Day meal? Um, I would say the last maybe several years, and I don't, haven't done it consistently, but I love lamb. And oh. so on Christmas, I try to roast a leg of lamb. Mm. That is much more biblical than anything I do. Yeah, hello. Um, <laughs> no, I. Uh, it's ordinarily ham if we do a Christmas day. Yeah. Oh, man. What? I did duck one year. Ooh. I really liked it, yeah. but I've never done it again because that thing's expensive. Anyway, yeah. here's why I bring this up. We are in a month that I think all of the church needs. A month of feasting, a month of celebration, a month about love and joy and hope and peace. Those of us who are in Advent traditions, you recognize those words. I hope y'all have been diving in because... This is a year where I think we all need the joy of all the good gifts that God has given us. And if you are able to feast with family and friends, I pray you have been. If you have been alone feasting by yourself, I pray you've been YouTubing and FaceTiming and Skyping, whatever they are, to be able to talk to people. Um, Lisa, you have family who are not nearby. No, not nearby. I have a daughter and son-in-law in China. Yeah, that's all the way not nearby. That's all the way not nearby. My son is in <laughs> Dallas. My dad is in Southern California in Orange County. So, you know, we, we had a very quiet uh, Thanksgiving. We would normally get together with my husband's family. And they, you know, they're, they're really big on Thanksgiving. He has five siblings and they all have families. Um, and we just weren't able to do that this year uh, because of COVID. And I will add. Um, you know, because Advent, I saw something online the other day, I think it was in a tweet, and the person, I think it was a pastor, was saying, you know, Advent's not really a, um, it's not really a celebration. And I forgot the word to use, but the word, the, the word that came to mind for me was an observation. Mm. And when you think about it, what Advent is, it is 
you know, it is that waiting and expectation, which for us, it's, it's reminding us of the first advent, but also points to the second advent. Yes. And I think with a year that we've had, how much more should we be waiting in hope and expectation as we reflect on the first advent, as we reflect on God's promise of setting everything right. Mm. Um, and that should give us some hope for, for today, you know, that yeah. we might even see some drickles of that um, in this crazy mixed up year. Well, you know, two things really encouraged me about what you just said. The first thing is a reminder of what Advent really is. Amen. And we, we need to preach that all over the place. There is a looking forwardness to Advent. This is all about what the first, that the first Advent will lead to a second Advent, right? That's just, it's beautiful and that'll preach. The second thing that really excited me about what you just said is you saw a tweet and it was a positive, uplifting, encouraging tweet. Imagine that. I'm and sure, that but... is like a Christmas miracle, sister. That is wonderful. Um, we are today talking about digital hirelings and why they get in the way of having fruitful, helpful conversations in our local churches about issues of race and justice. Um, and... The digital hirelings, we're going to define that in a second. I'm going to kick it to you here in a second, Lisa, to define that. But the digital hirelings, I'm going to first tell you where they live. They live on social media. They live on YouTube. They are ordinarily not pastors of local churches, but rather they get their kicks criticizing and insulting pastors of local churches. And so, Lisa, I wonder, digital hirelings, you're the one who brought this uh, phrase to my attention. It's not original to you either. So who coined this term and what does it mean? So Nick Basic, um, in his blog um, uh, called Feeding on Christ, and he is, uh, I know he was formerly, I don't know if he still is, the editor for Reformation 21. Mm, mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, fellow PCA brother, and um, so he wrote this this piece on digital hirelings. And here's what here's here's his definition of what a digital hireling is. Is an individual who who has set himself up online with self-promoting interest. Like the evil shepherds of Ezekiel's day, the digital digital hireling feeds himself, doesn't truly care about the sick, weak or injured, doesn't seek the lost and wondering, and deals harshly with the sheep. The digital hireling opportunistically sets up himself for self-aggrandizement and financial gain. Most digital hirelings have never spent one day of their lives shepherding the flock of Jesus. They haven't spent weeks in and weeks out preparing to feed the sheep with the pure preaching of the word of God and the gospel. They haven't answered the phone at all hours of the night when the sheep are hurting. They haven't hospitably opened their home days without number to members of the fold. They haven't sat by the bedside of those who are sick and dying. They haven't poured themselves out in pursuit of the spiritually wandering with tears and prayers. They haven't sought to dis settle disputes between bickering sheep, and they haven't labored to bring unity and love among the members of the fold. In short, they have only set themselves up to be heard and recognized. Mm. 
only set themselves up to be heard and recognized. And I want to thank YouTube for creating the perfect venue for our digital hirelings to be able to speak without having to consider the consequences. And this is what a hireling is. A hireling was, he, he, uh, Nick Batsik, he references Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, we learn of these hirelings who are hired by the shepherds to care for the sheep, but they're not their own sheep. They, they're not all that concerned with what's actually going to happen to the sheep when they're done. And so they mistreat the sheep. They'll use the sheep for whatever they want to make themselves fat, to make names for themselves, to uh, you know feed their Patreon accounts. Um, they do this, and they don't really have to worry about the condition of the sheep when they're done because that's the shepherd's fault. That's the shepherd's problem. And um, in Ezekiel, the problem here is that the shepherds have hired other people to do their work, right? That's why they're hirelings. And this is a condemnation of the shepherds as well as of the hirelings. I want to say this. I think too long, pastors have allowed hirelings to teach our folks truths about issues of race and injustice, and that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. We have um, kicked the can pass the buck, whatever metaphor you want to use. We haven't tackled the issue ourselves out of fear of feeling too political or too, um, too controversial from the pulpit. We haven't done our job, and digital hirelings are more than happy to do our job for us. And, and so I, we're going to talk a little bit about digital hirelings, but I also want to say I think that many of us have created the space that these digital hirelings are filling. And I don't want it to just be about finger pointing out there. I want to think of for ourselves for a second and say, hey, we kind of messed up by allowing the space for this to happen because we as pastors haven't been tackling tough issues. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, we also have to look at the, the easy ready platforms of social media, you know, of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, you know, the fact that anybody can sign up for a YouTube channel and say whatever it is they want to say, and you can send out that tweet and you don't have to think about, you know, like you said, you don't have to think about the consequences when you screenshot that pastor that you have an issue with and start, um, you know, um, castigating him before probably hundreds Um that there's no no thought of hey am i you know am i really understanding what this person is saying you know am i but am, am i relying on the voice of this you know this youtuber or blogger or the facebook post that hasn't real hasn't really given the benefit of the doubt and is probably you know taking that 10 second sound bite out of context of what, you know, the whole of what that person, not, not just the talk, but the whole of what that person believes. Um, and so I think it's just, I, I think there's a, an immediate attraction for us, especially as these issues have been at the forefront, you know, the issues of race and justice and everybody's talking about critical race theory. And, um, you know, some are, you know, like partially, um, criticizing it um you know i i you know made no bones that i have my own criticism about it but it's sort of you know okay we, we know this is an issue and now we're going to listen to those voices 
that are addressing it. And in fairness, and in fairness, I want to say, I think um, I would add to Nick Basic's definition that it's not just those who are, you know, that have self-interest. I think there is, can be, I'm going to say there is, there can be a genuine interest in caring about doctrine, in caring about um, you know, threats to the gospel. But then what it turns out to be is, a, you know, is this platform for, you know, an opportunity to be heard um, in, in a way that sometimes is self-aggrandizing. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that we really, we really need to be careful, especially because we have such easy access to, to voice concerns to listen to those who build platforms out of voicing concerns. Well, I think that's the that is one of the things, you know, part of what we can talk about maybe today is how do you identify a digital hireling? You know, how do you know if you can trust this person or not trust this person because there's so much information coming our way. Mm-hmm. Um and, and there's so many different voices out there. And listen, I don't only listen to my fellow pastors in my local church. I listen to other people outside the church as well. So it becomes a question of how much weight do you give to what voices? Because like it or not, I think we're all using digital hirelings to an an extent. Mm -hmm. Um, It's when we use them as fodder to attack the people in our local churches. I think that's when we've really crossed the line. And I think one of the things that we can ask, is this somebody that we can trust, Mm -hmm. is ask the question of why their ministry exists. Does this person's ministry or presence exist to tear other people down or to build up and edify the body of Christ? And I think it only takes a little bit of digging and mm-hmm. looking at some of the names of the articles and listening to a couple of the episodes to realize that some folks are out there to fight Others are up there to point people towards Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the first things we can do in saying, is this someone we, is this a digital hireling or is this somebody who's actually caring for the sheep? What is the foundation of their work? Is the foundation of their work tearing others down? Or is the foundation of their work trying to build up the body of Christ? I think that goes a long way in helping us discern a little bit. Right. Oh, I absolutely agree. And, you know, and let, let's not overlook what, you know, the challenges that this presents to pastors, especially when you're, you know, when you're getting your, your main source of information from the inner, from the interwebs, right? And from yeah. these digital hirelings about, you know, what is, is good and right for the church. And let's be fair. It's on both sides. It's to the person that is, you know, uh, pointing out all the pastors that are, you know, undermining the gospel with critical race theory. And it's also the ones who, you know, are are pointing out all the white supremacists, all the ones that are supporting white supremacy. You know, you know, we have to we have to be fair. But at any at any at any rate, it's you know, it's it's relying on those voices and then taking that information into the local congregation and using it as the filter by which you are evaluating your pastor, evaluating the congregation. So because Marcos, you are a pastor, (laughs) you are the ones that 
as you know, as as um, Nick was saying in this article, you know, the ones that are, you know, settling disputes, who are you know visiting the sick, um, who are answering phone, you know, phone calls from hurt sheep at all, you know, at all hours. Um, you're you know you're the one who who is engaged in actually caring for the sheep. So talk to us a little bit about the challenges that you face when, you know, because of the internet voices, the digital hirelings, um, and then, you know, so talk to us a little bit. So I think one of the things that is, is challenging is digital hirelings don't exactly um, make their name on nuance. And so when they will do a lot of things like make one-to-one comparisons where it's not a one-to-one comparison, um, they'll use really, really bombastic language that's really not helping the conversation, just making the other person look bad. It has made it to a point where as a pastor, I have to be so careful that I don't accidentally step on a buzzword that digital hirelings have said is a, um, it, it's evidence of Marxist, woke, whatever type of thinking, right? Um, or on the other side, I have to be really careful. I don't speak about this issue because then I'm going to get labeled a Trump supporter or this or that. Like everybody seems to have their level of pejoratives that they want to throw at people. And pastors can become very good targets for that because we're very visible and it's relatively intimate. I'm not speaking to crowds of thousands and thousands. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to my little manifestation of the local church. That's what I'm doing. And so what can happen is that digital hirelings, because they're just throwing bombs, if people in the pews hear that, and start believing what those guys are saying, it will undermine my ability to care for souls. Uh, pastors do soul surgery. That's what we do. Mm. It's with a scalpel. You got to be careful. You got to be mm. thoughtful. You don't say everything at once. Um, you ordinarily go little bit by little bit, just like you would in a surgery, right? It's the difference between using a scalpel and using a battle sword. Um, you, you don't do it all at once. You, you carefully do this work, trusting at every time, at every point that it's the Holy Spirit who is guiding and leading. And, and you're basically, you are the scalpel. He's the one who's wielding you, right? To do the work on people's souls. And there, there is no nuance. There is no care. There is no scalpeling with, um, with digital hirelings. It's all about the battle sword. Hmm. And, and that can really be hard. Because, you know, if I'm trying to minister to this group over here, I'm going to say something that I believe is going to minister to them. But I may something, say something very differently in a different context that's going to minister to them. But what happens is people will hear one thing, blow it up, blow it out of proportion, then define the entirety of my ministry that way. And it makes people not want to listen anymore. It can be very hard. So that's one, I mean, there's a whole lot of things, but that's one thing I've noticed that's happened is they, they undercut people's ability to trust their pastors because it creates a bunch of um, Bereans in a negative way, 
where they're parsing everything to make sure that I'm not following some sort of social agenda that they happen to disagree with. You know, and I also think that this, you know, maybe one underlying factor in this is, is maybe a, a, an undermining, a lack of regard, a lack of appreciation for the pastoral office, for those who will govern the local church. And I would even say that our, you know, our theology of the church itself, you know, that the fact that in terms of how we, how we determine truth, um, how we determine what a pastor should or should not be doing is not from the pastor himself, but from those who don't even pastor, right? For, you know, for those who have set themselves up to criticize pastors. And let me say, you know, and I know how easy this is. I, um, you know, I, I used to be in this habit um, a while back, you know, especially after I got on Facebook and, you know, became really active. And I would have this nasty habit of, of going on to Facebook and criticizing pastors, mm. you know, I would even yeah. start, you know, me who has, you know, no, I hold no office, right? I, I'm not in a position of caring for sheep in that, you know, in that regard, I haven't, you know, gone through an ordination process of, you know, of doing all of, all of that entails. And I imagine in the EPC, it's probably as rigorous as, you know, the PCA in terms of what you all have to go through to it's not easy get to come into in. that position. It's rigorous, but, you know, we're grateful for that rigor. But then you deal with the ins and outs of dealing with people, and that's hard. And, and I would just, you know, and I would sit in the cheap seats of, you know, the Facebook post, of Facebook status, and... Um, you know, and create, you know, say, you know, and, and, and address it this way, you know, dear, you know, dear pastor, you know, here's what your problem is, blah, 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 or you need to, you know, or, or giving instructions to pastors. Yeah. And, you know, and the more that my, I would say the doctrine of the church, you know, be as, as that grew, I'm like, who, who am I mm. to sit, you know, back, you know, when you look at consider first Timothy three. You know, or Paul is saying, you know, if anyone desires to hold this office here, you know, here are the qualifications. And, you know, those who have who sign up for it, who sign up for the headaches, who sign up with. I mean, I'm sure that there's, you know, there's joy in caring for the sheep. But in that responsibility, there's also a lot of challenges. And who am I to sit back in the cheap seats? And criticize, and I, you know, I had to repent of that, and learn like how, you know, how can we, how can we encourage pastors? How can we, you know, make sure we're praying for pastors just because of all of the challenges that well, come I mean, with, with, you know, in that governing position. It's it's one of those things where I think people we we clearly only see from our perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, one of the things that, that struck me when I became a pastor is learning how to see things from everybody else's perspective in the room and not just my own. Mm. Um, and so there are times where, uh, you know, I, I've, I have a church. It's not a large church, but it's, it's like everybody else's church. I have a church filled with people who vote different ways, filled with people who have different um, church backgrounds. So I got a lot of former Catholics. I got a lot of former Baptists. I got a lot of former formers. Uh, I just got <laughs> I, I just got a lot of different kind of people in the church, and uh, you add into that mix um, 
a little bit of ethnic diversity, you've got age diversity, you've got so much in there. And so it is impossible to see something from everybody's perspective. But one of the things that digital hirelings do is they make it seem like pastors aren't trying to see it from Mm. everybody's perspective. We are. We absolutely are. Sometimes we phrased something some way in a public setting to minister to somebody in one of our local churches. And you don't know that. Yeah. You don't know that. You don't know that. Um, you, they don't know that after a, a major social event like what happened after the death of George Floyd, that pastors are getting pulled in every direction. But there are three primary directions. Direction one was you better speak out and speak out loud and be bold and if your pastor doesn't speak about what happened in George Floyd, you need to leave that church, right? So we get that. There's a ton of that on, on social media. Oh, I, you know what? Like, I'd love it if my if you call yourself a progressive Christian or a liberal Christian or a social justice warrior, whatever, you just hear me for a second. Please stop telling people to leave their churches if they don't speak about your pet social cause. Like, come on, what's next? If they don't speak about climate change from the, you know what? Stop it. Stop telling people to leave their churches. That is a decision between them and their local church and God himself. That is not up to you, the Twitterati or the Facebook mafia or whatever we call in people these days. Quit telling people to leave their church. I'm sorry, Lisa, that one got me a little bit. It bothers me. You're you're, you're laying down the truth. I I see a lot of it. From, from, and I see a lot of it. I'm going to be frank. I do see it, yes, from folks who would lean right, but I see a lot of it from folks who lean left. Mm -hmm. If your pastor doesn't speak about this social injustice, you have to leave your church. Mm -hmm. No. If your pastor is not preaching Jesus, you should probably leave your church. If your pastor is not encouraging you to love your neighbor, then you should probably leave your church. Outside of that, my goodness, it's none of your business. All right. So that's that. That's one direction we're being pulled. Okay. <laughs> we're Back, also being... And number two. <laughs> number two. I'll try not to get as emotional about this. Number two. If your pastor does speak about this, you need to leave your church. Right? So I do get that a lot, too. Um, so we're getting pulled in the direction of you better speak out. You're getting pulled in the direction of if you speak out, you better speak in a way that's going to make me happy because you're anti whatever that thing is happening in the culture. And the third one is you better not say a word about anything political or cultural or social or anything, quote unquote, just preach the gospel. Um, Those are the directions we get pulled in a lot of different voices. But here's the thing. God has called us to shepherd the sheep. He has called us to be preachers, which means we proclaim the word of God. There is both a edifying nature to that. There's a convicting nature to that. There's a prophetic dimension to it. There's all kinds of things that happen in the proclamation of the word. And our number one job is not to please the social progressives in our congregation. Our number one job is not to please the social conservatives in our in our congregation our number one job is to honor god by proclaiming his word rightly that's it and i'm sorry but that's gonna make people unhappy sometimes and um it's i wish that people who are listening to digital hirelings 
would hear me, let me be your digital hiring for a second, hireling for a second, cut your pastor some slack, love him, support him, care for him because you stayed up all night wondering if he was going to say something that's going to make you mad. He stayed up all night terrified that he was about to say something that was going to make everybody mad because he feels an allegiance to God more than allegiance to people's feelings and people's uh, pet causes. And the families of your pastors, well, you know, their spouse and their children also feel this. Um, and so, mm. my man, these are your pastor is a person. Your pastor loves you. Like when your pastor hears that you're angry, it hurts him. When your pastor hears that you are, um, when your pastor hears that you have somehow uh, become offended or that you're not being fed or that hurts him because he's trying to care for you and love you well. Mm -hmm. So recognize there are times to ask your pastor's questions. I'm not saying like button it up and don't say anything ever saying there's a there's a way to approach the person who is your who is who is the under shepherd that God has put in your in in your life mm -hmm. um, pastors do carry a lot on their shoulders so recognize that coming in um, and most I mean I'll, I'll just speak for myself but I think I'm speaking for most pastors when I say this we want to talk to you we want to have the conversation we want to lovingly disagree with you or show you why you did what you, we want to be able to do that. Sometimes we can't because of confidentiality reasons, but other times we can. Please let us talk to you and share with you where we're coming from. Don't just come on social media and blast away as if somehow your blasting on social media or on YouTube is going to bring peace and purity to the Church of Jesus Christ. It's probably not. Right. And there's something interesting that you said you know, in that about being pulled in different you know, directions that people, because of the perspectives that people bring, because they're the, of the influence of, you know, these internet voices and that, you know, if, if we're really a gospel centered church, right. That we're, you know, th that it should be a, um, a diverse mix of people. I would imagine you're going to have the, the pastor who is a pastor of that church is going to be pulled just from the same congregation. And I think about, you know, how that's worked with with COVID, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the issue of, of church openings and church closings. And within the same congregation, you have a mix of perspective that are, are pulling at the pastor one way or the other. And he's just trying to honor God you know, based on his conviction of scripture. And this is where I absolutely do think like we need to have, we need to esteem, right? And I'm not saying revere, revere worship or, you know, this is not about worshiping man. But I think for those who have stepped up to the plate to take on this responsibility and, you know, said, I am going to, you know, make sure that I meet these qualifications and I'm going to care for the sheep then you know we need you like you said we need to cut the pastor some slack but also just have a have a higher regard for that office and what it and all that it entails because it's real easy for us to sit in the cheap seats and criticize well and i think 
You know, here's the other thing I'd say to people. One of the things that was super encouraging to me, um, it was the day before Thanksgiving. I received a phone call from a member just encouraging me, thanking me um, for walking with their family through some tough stuff. I received a text message from another congregant. We'd had a, a good conversation. They knew a little bit about some of the challenges that the pastors are facing right now and just to encourage and to lift up. Those little notes, mm -hmm. they do go a long way. And so we often, when we see an email come through from a congregant, it's pretty often that it's a negative one. It would really be encouraging to your pastor to send him a note thanking him, encouraging him, blessing him, especially in this Advent season, because Advent, it's funny, I was talking with my wife about this, you were looking over the calendar of what Advent's going to look like, it looks like it's going to be lighter because of COVID, there's less like parties I'm obligated to go to and stuff like that, but it's a busy season, it's a tiring season, and um, just encouraging your pastor through this season means the world. Just a little note of I love you, I'm praying for you, thank you for serving, goes so far. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, to counteract the way that digital hirelings have really been um, hurting your pastor's work, man, bless them best you can. And I'm not talking about a financial gift. I'm saying just bless them with encouragement, affirmation, um, even if you're not all that thrilled with your pastor right now, even if your pastor has made decisions during COVID that you don't like, even if he's made decisions or spoken out or not spoken out or any things, those things that have bothered you, how about you still, like when he gets, he knows you're upset. So when he gets an email from you, he's immediately going to go, oh man, what if when he opened that email, it was, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm trying to bless you. Um, those kinds of things do really matter to pastors because as much as we um, are used to, if you will, the dehumanization that the pastorate brings to people mm -hmm. and the loneliness that pastoring brings to people, those little things, those little, those kindnesses really do help. Uh, amen. Amen to that. So Lisa, as we head towards closing this episode, mm -hmm. We have, I think, painted somewhat of a negative view of the digital hirelings that are out there. And I think mm -hmm. we've done that intentionally because they're often more damaging than they are helpful. But I wonder, because you have a, a, a kind of an internet or social media ministry yourself, um, I wonder if you can speak to this a little bit. How can you, as someone who wants to engage the issues on social media, because people I do, I think, should try and engage. We're not saying get off and don't speak. Mm -hmm. What are some of the principles you use to be able to do this well, especially when you're getting into difficult topics mm -hmm. so that you don't cross the line? Like, what are some of those guardrails you have for yourself? The first, the, the first step that I take is to look for uh, areas of agreement. Look okay. for, you know, it, you know, is this person seeking to honor Christ? You know, what are they saying that is good and what I agree with, you know, in terms of my own understanding of scripture? Um, and we start there. And a lot of the, a lot of times the, you know, blasting and listen, you don't even have to have a ministry. I don't consider what I do on social media really a ministry. I'm just, 
you know, I'm just the chick speaking her mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. But at the same time, I'm also a witness. I'm also an ambassador for Mm. Christ. And I'm also one that's called to be governed by 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. You know, love Mm. is patient, love is kind, love does not seek its own. You know, love does not envy, it's not rude. You know, so, you know, so I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, uh, which is a big problem that I have with a number of these, um, you know, these videos, the the, the mm. cut and slice videos, I call them, yeah. where it's a compilation of, of path, you know, of these sound bites from pastors that, you know, and these, it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're watching the, the people who are putting this, these together must spend hours just waiting for that gotcha little 10 seconds, mm. you know, and it's like, what, what is the motive of that? So it's really, it's, it's the fine, like, what is this person about? Um, and then once I've established some agreement, you know, trying to try to be fair, in that, okay, how how am I going to, to critique this? How am I going to criticize this? Because a lot of times, that's where I think it, it really forms how you respond to criticism. You influence how other people respond to criticism. So I want to be, I want to speak truth and love. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear on where my disagreement is and where I believe that the person is off. But in a way that still regards them it still mm. respects them even though i may not respect what they're saying yeah um and it, it's all in how you frame it and so that's not being milly mouth or mushy or you know anything like that to get you know or soft because we do want to speak truth mm-hmm. and it's you know and it's really it, so how would i want someone if i said if i said something that somebody thought was off how would i want to be critiqued you know let's start there um would i want my words taken out of context would i want you know somebody just going in or you know going in all ham on me you know without giving me the benefit of that i wouldn't want that so then why would i do that to somebody else and so that's where you know and it is tricky it's a you know it's a it's a delicate uh, balancing act sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, but at the same time, I, I really do let those principles govern, you know, find, uh, you know, points of, of agreement and, you know, respond in a way that I would want somebody to respond to me and treat the person with respect. I think that's, that's an important set it, for those of you who like to, to talk on social media a lot and, and like to share their thoughts. I think that was a really helpful encapsulation of kind of a process to go through um and and how you can talk about things that yes are controversial speak to issues that people feel passionately about and you do it in a way that is christian i mean we're, we're not talking super saint we're just talking christian there's a christian way of doing this there's a christian way of engaging the issues uh, at least i think you do a wonderful job on social media i don't always agree with what you have to say which is clear from this this podcast but um, I've never felt disrespected by your voice on social media, um, and I'm really grateful for what you're doing. And I pray that more and more people will follow that trend, 
Speak to the issues. Talk about these things. They matter. They're important. Talk about politics. Politics matters. It's important. Talk about whatever social issues your church is tackling. It's important. Just do it in a way that honors Christ and that respects your brother and sister in Christ. That's that's the goal. And as pastors, we are going to try and do the same thing. And here's what your congregant, Lisa, not my congregant, but you are a congregant. I am a pastor, but not your pastor. But here's what I'll say. To those of you who are congregants, if I cross the line, I will do my very best to apologize and to uh, move forward more more wisely, more carefully. Um, Lisa, you've already said there were times where you've crossed lines and you've apologized. And, and, and congregants, it's good to do that. It's okay to do that. Um, this is how we bear with one another. It's how we love one another well in the church. So, Lisa, any last words for our folks before we sign off today? No, just, you know, give, give your pastors a break. And not just your pastor, but give pastors a break. Mm. You know, just because we, we may be a little easier on our own pastor, but then we go and fo- point fingers <laughs> at that other person. Oh, look at yeah. what they said. And then, you know, and then next thing you know, you're blasting them. Step back. Ask some questions. Am I really understanding this? You know, what, 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 what is this, what is this person bearing in terms of his, his, his responsibility and his role? Um, you know, how, how, how might I critique this in a way that honors that position? That's good. Thank you, Lisa, for that. And, um, you know what? I'm grateful for people who are listening, who are tuning in, who are part of this. We ask, if these episodes have been blessing you in any way, uh, if they've been challenging or encouraging, would you share these episodes to your brothers and sisters? We are trying to model how we disagree well, how we tackle issues well um, as brothers and sisters in Christ. If you think we've been at all successful in that, um, go ahead and share this to your own social media. Subscribe to the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. We're in a handful of different platforms now. Uh, We're going to be back again next week. We're going to dive into more issues that are, of course, going to be controversial because that's what we do here at Family Discussion. We are glad that you're here. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.